Hi, everybody. I'm Traven Rice, and this is a Lowdown uh, Culture Cast. We're talking with culture changers, and I'm very excited here at PNT Knitwear in the podcast studio today to be talking with um, Hort Culture uh, non human teachers. Non human teachers. Hort Culture is the name of our um, events series right now on the Lower East Side, but non human teachers is the name of our nonprofit organization. Yes, mm-hmm. and that stemmed out of Hot Cactus? Yeah, um, we, you know, some of the people who are part of the nonprofit came out of Cactus Store Studio in Los Angeles, and we now have a much broader sort of group of collaborators. But yeah, it was born out of that project. Excellent. Okay, so could you just introduce yourselves and let us know the roles and how everything came about and kind of where we're at now and how you ended up here on the East Coast, because I know you started on the West Coast. Yeah, um, my name is Christian. I'm the executive director of, of Non-Human Teachers. And um, and what was the other one? You want to know how it came about? or what? Yeah. Um, so I'm also a partner in uh, this other project, Cactus Store Studio, which started in Los Angeles in 2014, which we do all sorts of things from, uh, we have an architecture, a, a landscape architecture and design firm. We um, have made two stores, one here on the Lower East Side and one also in Los Angeles. We make clothes for gardening in. We made a perfume that makes you smell like a tomato. And everything we do, it's it's all pretty playful, but, but at the heart of it is, um, uh, projects that help broker relationships between people and plants. That was really um, the the acorn of, of the tree, of the cactus store studio tree. And that was an idea that struck you based on your experience um, as an artist, but also just in the natural world. I mean, what was that spark? Well, we um, we started as three collaborators who were independently um, growing and collecting rare plants. Southern California is a place where almost anything can grow. And because of it, you have a lot of plant heads who are getting interested in, in the way things grow and the different kinds of um, strange plants that this world makes and growing them in our backyards and building little greenhouses. It's a little subculture that's been around Southern California since at least the 1960s. And a lot of us got into uh, growing rare plants through the old timers. They would give us, you know, oftentimes they're giving us their old plants because they can't stay alive long enough to keep these things watered. You know, some of these plants live, you know, hundreds of years. And actually, early on, we got interested in, in this idea, we, um, the idea of the plant orphan, what happens to a plant after its owner no longer can, can no longer care for it. So um, we have a, a conservatory, a plant orphans conservatory in Los Angeles, where we, where we have a huge number of plants, but um, along with those plants come stories and relationships that we've inherited. It sounds like a very big, interesting, sprawling <laughs> project. Um, let, let's introduce our other guests here before we keep going. <clears throat> so my name is Joe. Um, I am the programming director for New York-based events here, well, for non-human teachers here in New York. And um, I've been in sort of the Cactus Store orbit for six-ish years. When, when the store opened here on the Lower East Side in 2017, I walked in and was like, I'll work if you will give me some plants. And I've just 
been in the family ever since and I've been running the store since 2019. Um, yeah. So I should say there is a store which is very easy to miss. Um, and I've spoken with many of my neighbors here on the Lower East Side. And it's on Essex Street, at the, at the bottom of Essex Street. And um, you can not know that it's even there. It's next to Seamus Paint Building. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go inside, you'll see bamboo. And then further in, you'll see this amazing collection mm-hmm. of different and rare uh, cactus and plants. Yeah, and it's, so it's here seasonally, though. We're seasonal, yeah. So we open up usually around mid-May every year and close around the end of September. Or this year we're going to extend it a little bit farther into October. Um, but yeah, a lot of people walk by and th- I think they think that that garden that is the front of our store, which is open to the public, is a private space connected to 7 Essex, which is a condo's next door. Um, so for anyone who's listening, please come in. Um, you're welcome, and we're open Thursday to Sunday, so yeah. I highly recommend it. We recently got a tour um, from Joe, and it was a, it's an amazing, magical place, I would say. And then, not to mention, on top of that, there's events that happen in mm-hmm. the in the garden there. Yeah, so we've been doing events at the store since the beginning, um, and last year was the year it really clicked. Where we were like, we should be we should do this in a different way, and we'd been starting. We'd started a conversation about putting together a nonprofit group, and it really became a central organizing tool for us with uh, non-human teachers, and a great way to bring people together and talk about these, you know, things that we think are really important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking about the nonprofit part of it, mm-hmm. Sandeep, please introduce yourself. Hi, um, my name's Sandeep, and I started working with Cactus Store about two years ago during the pandemic. I left a job at a bigger firm, and I just wanted to start doing more uh, community-driven work. So I started working for Cactus Store and a few other creative businesses, and Non-Human Teachers, the idea was born around the end of last year. And so at the time, I was on a few board of directors for -for not-for-profits, and Christian asked me to be on the board of Non-Human Teachers. So um, that's sort of my role with them. And so what, what inspired you to do that? What is interesting or what caught your interest with them? I mean, like you said, the garden is magical. And when you walk into that garden, magical things happen. Like I, for, I first went in there just as a fan, a patron of the store. And then a few weeks ago, an email just popped up in my inbox from Max Martin, the CEO. And ever since then, just beautiful things started snowballing in my life. You know, I met my, I met a friend there. I met my boyfriend there. <laughs> fell in love in that garden. And I was like, there's a higher calling here. The so, one on, right here. Yeah. Five Essex is where it is. Yeah. yeah. That so, space has a funny way of bringing people together and really fusing s- people together. Yeah. Really, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's a cool space. Yeah, so I just wanted to help them in any way I possibly could. So how did this? How did you come about going? You know, from the West Coast to that space. Um, we were invited by a friend of ours here on the Lower East Side who <clears throat> who owns the property. It was an empty lot. There was just grasses growing, and he. Um, approached one of my collaborators and said, you know, if you ever wanted to do something on the Lower East Side, I'm not doing anything with this property, propose an idea. And um, we sent, a, you know, one of our uh, collaborators as an architect, we sent a design for the greenhouse. And that's one of the things we do is we design greenhouses as well. So we sent a, a greenhouse design and um, he 
was excited about the idea and he had friends that were architects here on the Lower East Side and kind of understood the zoning, zoning and permitting stuff. So they helped us with zoning and permitting and then we built that space. And it was supposed to be up just for a few months. It was a hugely ambitious thing to do because we were, we didn't, we were so busy, we didn't have time to oversee the project here in, in New York. But there was people that were excited enough about the project over here that they, you know, they helped us do it. And it was a huge community effort just to get the greenhouse up. And then getting all of the plants from uh, the Western United States over here was also a huge ordeal, you know, driving these things. It was just so, so crazy and so much work and so much fun. But after the first year, um, we've just been invited back every year. I, the And the owner of the property has not, you know, you know, knock on wood, hasn't done anything to the property until now. And we're happy to be here. People are excited every time we come back. Yeah, definitely. And people who have been here for years and years walk in and they're like, oh my God, what is this? I had no idea. Yeah. It's very delightful for them, you know, coming off of the street. Obviously, it, you know, space is so precious here and it's just that that little creative, magical space. Like, what can you do it? So I, I'm interested in hearing about, um, obviously this is about engagement, mm -hmm. this project and, and um, you know, the non-human teacher aspect of it specifically, I think, right. is a creative way of engaging people because? Well, we believe that um, the, nature is a social event, should be a social event. And we, you know, a lot of nonprofits that do ecological type, what, what we kind of focus on is ecological storytelling storytelling, finding new ways of talking about the world, new, bringing in new and diverse voices, not just scientists or politicians, but air traffic controllers and dog walkers and rat hunters and mosses and sea anemones. It's, you know, there's so many voices that aren't being heard. And right now we're in, you know, to us, Earth is the biggest story on Earth, but it's, it's one that so few people are telling. And, and we really want to create a way for, for more of those voices to be heard and to bring more people into the conversation. So our events is, is one of, of the things we do with non-human teachers. We also do make immersive green spaces that become places where the community can gather to see these events, but also to be introduced to a re relationship with, with plants that they might not see anywhere else or, or with stories that they might not hear anywhere else. And then the other aspect of what we do is um, new nature media. We're working on a nature show right now, a new nature show that I can't talk too much about, but really excited about it. We've been working on it for the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but you could talk about maybe the idea around what that means, like a new nature media. Sure. Um, well, nature shows, most nature shows are made by one man in England in his 90s and he's a wonderful beautiful soul and of, of course I love everything Attenborough makes um, but the majority of, of what nature shows are is a depiction of our world in 8k HD uh, a sort of pristine savanna or jungle replete with animals and no collision between humans and the natural world. And that's really a huge missing piece of that story. So we wanna um, 
you know, our nature show is not just about the natural world. It's about the na a natural world that includes people and characters. And that's, um, it's funny how simple a, of an idea it is, but it, it's a, it changes that form so much. Hmm, that's great. I think, you know, um, I've, I was reading some of the literature about, about starting up the nonprofit and sort of there's a constant theme, obviously, when we talk about ecology these days around uh, crisis, state of emergency, you know, and also for a lot of us, I think it's very easy to sort of tune out almost because um, it does feel quite overwhelming for those of us that are paying even a little bit of attention. Um, and so I'm really, really inspired and interested in, in the idea of sort of, yep, let's acknowledge that and still have some creativity around it and let's invite conversation instead of putting our head in the sand or freaking out. Totally. Well, fear and shame are real and things are fucked up right now and it's scary and, and we all get it. But that's just one door into the building and we're more interested in, in going in through other doors. I mean, there's a lot of nonprofits, you know, Tree People um, is a great one. They are planting trees and you go to their different spaces and you help them plant trees and water trees or um, there's nonprofits where you clean beaches and nonprofits where, you know, there, there's every flavor of nonprofit, but a lot of them are based on this kind of do your part mm. idea, which of course we align with, but we want ecology to be something that you want to go to on Wednesday after work and a place that, you know, where there's people that are like you and that just feels interesting and fun and easy to and you know the word ecology means relationship and it's really hard to build a relationship based on fear or you know other or shame those are uh dysfunctional relationships are built on that stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or denial right exactly awesome. well exactly i mean it it's like i feel like we're past the point of of at least you know most people like we know that shit's ugly and it's all our fault. Like, let's leave that, you know, let's leave that behind and, and let's learn the name of a tree and learn how to grow it or um, go to a habitat that you didn't know exist in your neighborhood. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, how about, well, on that note, how about a cactus? And how did, how come cactus? Or cacti? Is that not even a thing? Cacti? Is that I think like, both are. Yeah. Cactuses or cacti, I think both are fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, we originally got interested in, I mean, I personally am interested in plants that grow in places that are hostile to humans. Orchids are the same. They grow in these uh, jungles that um, swallow people. But cacti grow in, you know, they're these incredibly misunderstood things. They, people think they're aggressive, but they're incredibly timid and quiet, and they want to be left alone and solitary. And yeah, so for me, like that's what drew me in. But that was really just a starting point. We're interested in all things. It was just a name that kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a, a tendency for people to think of Cactus Store as just just that one thing. But really, that was a way to start a conversation about nature and ecology at large. Yeah, it took me a while to realize, oh, yeah. it's not just a cactus store. Totally. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with just a cactus store, but I was like, oh no, it's not actually, it's a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you could talk about what people would encounter 
if they come into the cactus store, for example? Um, well, right now we have had this installation up for the past six weeks from uh, one of our collaborators, Miguel Guedos, who's uh, an artist and a designer based here. And <clears throat> it's this really bizarre stucco plywood box uh, constructed speaker system. And he built a fire pit as part of it. And he did this amazing performance where we did slow roasted food and slowed down cumbia music as, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for him. There's, there's more on it online, but that is what you're immediately uh, encountered with when you walk in right now is this big sort of pyramid style uh, sound system. Um, and then once you get into the greenhouse, yeah, we really, we focus on all different types of plants. We have some weird weeping junipers this year, um, some miniature orchids from Java, um, a lot of cacti and succulents. So the name is not too much of a lie, but, um, and then we, yeah, we do a lot of, um, you know, rare tropical plants as well. Yeah. And then how do you all sort of, um, think about and get excited about the type of the guests that you invite for performances? Um, well, you know, like we, we were saying about our book club before this started, we are we really gravitate towards people who have unique relationships with the natural world from Alexander Lieberman, who takes birdsong and translate them their songs into westernized musical notation, and then has musicians play those songs on glockenspiels and saxophones and stuff as music, um, thinking about uh, bird song as songs. And he's really an artist. He's not, you know, this guy's, he's not a, an ornithologist. He's an artist. But art was the door for him into learning about and observing and listening to birds, and which we, of course, had, you know, just love. And then who else have we brought in? We just did um, this fellow a couple days ago, Joey Santori, who's a quote unquote citizen scientist who he's just an, a walking encyclopedia of plant facts and nomenclature. And he's really carved out this really important space for himself as a science communicator, but not, he doesn't have a degree. But I don't know any, uh, you know, of all the botanists that I know, I don't know anyone who has all of that nomenclature in, the, in their head the way this guy does. Really interesting. Just showing that it's really just enthusiasm that can bring you in and, and you don't need to have this sort of privilege of access to a degree and education to, to enter this space. Mm -hmm. And to be able to get people excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, and bring them into the conversation because um, it you know it still blows my mind that we can host an event you know on a busy Wednesday night in the Lower East Side where we're surrounded by bars people could just be going there to hang out but we have them paying $25 to come here a 70 year old Scottish man talk about how he trains his terriers to hunt rats like I'm blown away that we can you know sell out a crowd of that and have people really excited about it yeah, that's fantastic. And so, as far as going forward, Sandeep, how do you how do you envision like the beautiful, good look? You know, the sort of the perfect outlook for yeah how it evolves. Well, yeah. If you look like at last summer, we did these events on a small scale, but that was before we had the nonprofit, and it was a lot more challenging because 
it's harder to give it to the community when it's underneath like a business umbrella. Mm. So that's sort of why we pivoted at the end of last summer. And we created the, not, the, the not-for-profit sort of like as a way to let other people feel ownership of what we like love so much. So going forward, we kind of want to focus most of our attention on the not-for-profit and growing that and including as many people into the conversation as we can. Because right now, the conversation is led by a very small group of people, the heady scientists. And so with non-human teachers, we kind of want to invite painters, uh, rat hunters, like Joe mentioned, uh, people who just got off work on a Wednesday night. So in the future, we just are trying to get more partnerships with people, grow horticulture. We also want to start um, growing our work, uh, workshop classes, mm-hmm. book clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're pretty much open to anything. We're like a twig in the water, just yeah. flowing. <laughs> and I think also a big thing that we want to do next year, uh, a big goal of ours is to make more of our programming free. And we're yeah. really talking to you know potential collaborators and partners that can help us do that. Right now, you know, we're a, we're a fledgling uh, nonprofit organization, so we're we're having to charge admission for about sixty uh, percent of our programming. Mm-hmm. But um, we're looking to make um, more and more of that free and open to the public. Be able to do more events, um, have more people out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we have one more event coming up this season, and then ideally we'll be back probably hopefully sometime in 2024 with more horticultural events. But in the meantime, yeah, we want to continue to grow this community with workshops, with, you know, uh, what do you call it, the book club, and just meet more like-minded people out here who care about this stuff and have stories to tell. Fantastic. 